that point, I was like, if I leave him now, he's going to kill himself or something's going to happen. I knew it would. So I, I was stuck. Hey, Benny. Welcome to the Sisterhood of Mommy Imperfect. I'm Rina Diptianabil and this is a podcast where my fierce and fabulous guests and I explore different aspects of womanhood. We salute the game changers and we celebrate those women who are changing the world in their own way, one bit at a time. As always, we keep it real. What you hear is what you get. It's a filter-free, non-judgmental girl chat each and every week. And this week, I'm going to be talking about a very complex and disturbing experience that happened to one of my friends. It's a case of catfishing, but it's also a case of betrayal, of coercive control, of emotional abuse. And it went on for years. This happened to my friend and regular panelist on this podcast, Kirat. So she briefly mentioned it a couple of times in previous podcasts and she's joining me now to talk about exactly what happened and how it affected her. Hello, Kirat. Hello. <laughs> you all right? I'm okay. Thank you for having me. Fitness. It's all right, mate. You're home. You're, <laughs> <laughs> You're home. Well, yeah. Okay. So you've obviously been talking about this quite a lot and... and we haven't really discussed it that much on this podcast, even though, like I said, you hinted at things that have happened. But, you know, basically, you, me and Romy met up after a long time in February 2020. And we sat down in a restaurant. 2019. Bef- 2020. No, no. Oh, yeah. 2020. 2020. We, we met. Yeah, we, did meet, we did meet the yeah. year before. We did meet the year before. Um and then you mentioned something as well I didn't quite grasp what it was and how big this Mm -hmm. thing was that you were talking about but that's when we met up after ages right and then we met up again properly to sit down properly in a restaurant in Windsor February 2020 and that's when you told us everything that had been going on with you and literally we were sitting there for hours I think we got kicked out of that restaurant at closing time (laughs) because we still you know we need to leave now yeah Yeah. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, <laughs> and 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 I think, and I remember that when I went home that night, I actually couldn't go to sleep properly, and I told you this as well that I I couldn't go to sleep properly that night, and I was I was trying to kind of tell Tony he was like, oh, "What are you talking about?" Oh, bye, like because he didn't get it, and I was just like jabbering and whatever. But you know, for me to know that you had been going through that experience and to get my head around it, and this was the your this is your life that we're talking about. It, it's the experience. Mm that happened to you um so in a nutshell which I know is very hard to do um and obviously there is a podcast which you can explain as well but in a nutshell what happened um in a nutshell I was what people keep calling cat keep calling um a catfish so I was in a catfish situation um catfishing is for those that don't know um it's when someone impersonates somebody or pretends to be somebody else online and talks to you and it's often associated with romance, fraud, and online dating apps. But that wasn't the case with me at all. It was a family, extended member of my family that got in touch. Um, just, it was a younger kid. Um, and um, he'd been dating my cousin. And they'd had a bit of a Barney. And he was like, you know, can you try and, you know, help me patch things up with her? And obviously, I was very protective of her even though I didn't know her that well. She's from my extended family. And from she's what like, I knew it's like her, a second was, cousin. Is she like a second cousin? Yeah. You know, mm. like, she's not an immediate cousin. She's, yeah. She's more like a second, second, third cousin even. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, she's still a baby sister. And from what, what I knew of her, it was a bit unusual. So I, you know, obviously, and I, I did check with her. Um, and um, she was like, no, no, please talk to him. And I was like, okay kind of thing and um yeah so that was fine and you know I could see that I know I know who the guy was because mm. he was in my extended family <clears throat> yeah as well um from another part of the family so I knew him I knew of him and I knew some of his family um as well um there were pictures of some of his immediate family and me 
together on my own Facebook at the time. And we're talking about back in 2009. Uh, this young kid passes away in 2010 and I'm, then his brother gets in touch with me. Um, I didn't post condolences because I didn't know them well enough and I wasn't quite sure what was going on because um, it had been very casual. Um, and he got in touch with me to say thanks for being like a big sister figure to my baby brother. This man was married. Again, it was his brother, family. He had a kid on the way. I was in a relationship. There was no romance in it whatsoever or anything like that. So this kind of friendship went on for a while. He went through a few family problems and he kept sort of asking me, talking to me about them. Facebook wasn't what it, what it is now. Um, there was no messenger. There was no, mm. there were no voice notes at that point in time. So it was more like writing like pen pal kind of letters to each other. It wasn't even regular. I mean, he left his first wife, then he got married again, moved to Australia, mm-hmm. uh, got married a second time. You know, lots of things happened. And it wasn't from 2009 till 2015 until, the, you know, until lots of stuff had happened that a romantic relationship happened. If that's what people want to call it. Um, I'd met him once in between that time by accident um, on, uh, I think, you know, another one of my friends, she features in the podcast. The podcast is called Sweet Bobby, by the way. And um, it was Harvey's Hen Weekend in Brighton. And we saw him in a club there, you know. And uh, and so this was a person that you thought that you had been talking to this whole time. You saw him in real life in a club. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, I went up to him and it was him, he acknowledged it was him, but it was like kind of one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, loud, and I was trying to talk to him and I was like, and he just like looked confused, looked at me, he didn't, was it horrible or anything? And I just thought, you know, okay, he's always been so respectful. Um, I don't want to embarrass him any further or cause it, you know, whatever. And I recognised the friends that he was with because they were all in his pictures and stuff all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it wasn't, it didn't bother me. Just let it go. Um, he wasn't my best friend or anything. So <laughs> it's fine. Um, and yeah, so all this stuff happened. And then, you know, he was very ill in hospital at the time where he declared his undying love for me. And I was like, uh, no, I'd literally just come out of a relationship with somebody that you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I'd been in that for, in and out of that for a very long time, mm-hmm. as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I wasn't ready to get into another relationship or anything like that. And this was definitely not my thing. He wasn't my kind of guy. He was too perfect. You know, it was too perfect for like what my parents would call perfect. Um, yeah, it ticks their boxes, not mine. Um, but you could see, and I was, you know, and and I, I he wasn't, and I thought just he's just using me as a crutch lean and just me being nice to him is him getting the wrong impression. So I was adamant that he's just in the wrong place. And then... Um, kind of by accident fell into the romantic relationship where I'd mixed mistakenly received Valentine's stuff from somebody else and I thought it was from him um and I thanked him for it because obviously he, he'd been pretty much love bombing me and and that's how we accidentally fell into that because I knew I'd been told he didn't have he was paralyzed at this time he didn't have long left to live um, I was told he wasn't going to live beyond July 2015 um so it was kind of granting you know I cared about him obviously um I'd always been big sister he used to call me big sister when it came to Rakshabandhan and Rakhri and stuff I used to tag him in the brother posts so it was kind of a weird scenario um to get your head around but at the end of the day I couldn't call him brother anymore after he declared his undying love for me (laughs) but was was this before he well before you mistakenly thought that he sent you this valentine's gift was it before that he was kind of flirting with the the flirting happening and things yeah so that was that was months before that so um it was october 2014 that he told me that he was in love with me but again he was in hospital already in a different hospital at that time and um, all his family and his friends uh, family and a consultant around him was like, no, no, he actually really does. And I was just like, no, I'm, it was confusing me. People bombarding with me, me with saying that he actually is in love with you. His ex-wife even said, you know, I think I'm sure he's in love with you. I know him better than anybody. And I was like, even if he was, I'm not interested. 
um, you know, it's all that kind of stuff going on. And I was just feeling pressured. And then he was, I was apparently the only person he would listen to when something would go wrong in hospital mm, with him. Okay. So I was being kind of pressured, but I still like, what do you do? You don't walk away. You still have to help somebody kind of, especially when their family who, you know, is all asking you to as well. Um, so I held out and then until that incident happened and I was like, okay, you know, he's only got a few months left to live. You know, granting a dying man his last wish kind of thing. He didn't have any family around him physically in the hospital that he was in New York and the consultant had been speaking to me. And, you know, they'd been constantly asking me, you know, he responds to you, he won't eat from us. Can you please send him a message? Can you please do this? So we weren't at that point when he was paralyzed initially, we weren't even able to text each other. Mm -hmm. I was having to send voice notes to the hospital and the hospital consultant would then play them to him on headphones. Um, So, you know, it wasn't, that's that's how a romantic relationship started, which is not exactly very romantic. The way you're talking is like the assumption that everybody would do this to grant a dying man his wish to be nice and think, not everybody would do this, Gireth, like, I'm telling you, yeah. not everybody, but the, but me knowing you, you would do this and you did do this because it's like, there's a lot of people that still wouldn't give that person a time of day. They'd be like, mm, not my problem. But, and this is what I think, you know, like even in the podcast, which you'll probably talk about a little bit, but Harvey um, is in there, right? And she's known you for ages. And I would say this as well, that you are the person that would actually give somebody the benefit of the doubt. And try to be nice and try to help them and that's one of the nice things about you there's a lot of nice things about you but that's one of the special things about you and I just feel like anyway yes that you did that because of the person that you are right but not everybody would do that let's just get that out there okay yeah well I I kind of defy I still don't agree with that necessarily Um, and somebody tweeted something about this yesterday yesterday or this morning even and I responded to say well, at the end of the day, when you've got that person's family and friends and you know the family and they're asking you to as well, in our brown community, you don't really turn around and say no. When it comes um, to talking yeah, to him, not, yeah. not being in a relationship, but the talking to him. To, if somebody says, you know, he might respond to you, he might listen to you, he's suicidal, we, you're the only person that we can think of that he might listen to. And it's like, well, all right. Okay, then you don't say no, do you? Uh, I can think of a few people that would, but yeah, you didn't say yeah, no. But they're very, you're going to say it's quite, it's quite hard, it'd be quite heartless of somebody to say no. I don't know. Some people might be like, well, why don't you be talk to his family and be like, what the hell's going on? And, you know, surely you should be dealing with your uh, relative, your own son or your brother, and you of need to be I doing did. They were there. They were there in hospital with him. My own cousin was there with him at one point. So... I was on the periphery. I didn't, I wasn't mm-hmm, trying mm-hmm. to involve myself. Okay. It was just that during the years of friendship, the yep. brother situation, it was just, I don't know, I guess that kind of philosophical, like talking, where I'm like, where he's like, my family's doing this to me, and, da, 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 and I'm like, just calm down, think of it from their perspective. Just like, you know, like you just talk, think of it from their point of view. And I, you know, it was just that they're like, you know, maybe talking to you will help. Um, or he just wants to talk to you or he trusts you and also like I think it is important to remember that you actually had built up a kind of friendship online by this point anyway like normal talking right on and off over the yeah from 2009 to 2015 that's a very long time to have a platonic friendship yes it is where you're not uh, so it's not like he came out of the blue and like, oh my God, I'm in hospital. You need to help me. And you're like, who the hell are you? Because I, I guess like from my point of view as well, I also need to remember that myself, that the fact yeah. that you were in touch on and off over those years. So that builds up yeah. a kind of relationship, right? So there was a Absolutely. relationship that had been built. You were like, like you said. It wasn't he, a stranger, stranger. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, again, he wasn't somebody that I th- thought about or considered as being one of my close I don't know, one of my, um, I felt like I could rely on him, but I didn't need him in my, you know, I thought, thought he was a good person, a responsible person, mm-hmm. until the point he became unwell. But it wasn't somebody who um, 
I needed in my life. Yeah. I didn't like I didn't know where he lived. You know, when I saw him in Brighton, it was the shock of my life. I didn't know he lived in Brighton. I did I've, that's the kind of stuff, you know, I don't need things like I, I wasn't interested in his life. I didn't need to know stuff. He was talking to me, he was an extended member of the family, he was kind, he was decent, he was respectful. You just have a very platonic talk. There was nothing, you know, and that that's the friendship that grew. How do you grow friendships? Mm. You know, how many of us now talk to people online? Yeah. As well, you know. And and and, and, and you and, and and when you do talk to people online, you know, obviously it, it's not face to face and you don't hear their voice and stuff, but it is you can have a good conversation, right? You know, I've even um on Facebook like years ago this is and this is so random, but I'm just kind of thinking about this now, but that um this guy, uh a brother of an actor that I was once going to have in one of my plays, he was um used to talk to me, comment on my post, talk about random things, fitness, working out and stuff. And then one day there was like a RIP thing about him. And I was like, what? Like, and, and, and it hits the, you, doesn't it? It's like, yeah, you're, oh like, my God. you're like, oh my God, but yeah. I was talking to the person. Like what? So I'm just saying that, yes, I, I do get it in that sense. And, and then I had to like go on some big, like, you know, Googling spree of what happened to him. Cause I literally was like, no, this person literally commented or we sent each other messages about like trivial random things last week how come he's dead now what happened to him you know and I had to go on a little uh you know investigative thing to see to find out what happened to him and that wasn't even a person who who was a friend really you know yeah, so, so, so you're so, yes. feeling that invested I still wasn't that invested invested so when like the brother, younger brother passed away I was like, it's none of my business. It's mm-hmm. the family's concern. Whatever happened, the mystery surrounding his death. That I didn't know him that well. I was, I was, you know, that's not my business. I'm not going to interfere. I'm not going to ask too many questions. You know, that's me. I mind pretty much mind my. I don't involve myself in people's lives too much. I mind mm-hmm. my own business. I've got yeah. stuff going on. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the person I am. Yeah. Unless someone asks for my help, I won't give it. Yeah. I'll generally stay out, unless it's really serious and you need to step in. But um I'm I think you probably know me that know me to be like that I've always kind of stayed yeah yeah 100% 100% and um and I keep myself at arm's length as well so my whole life isn't on my social media I've never it never has been and even though I've done radio for years I've got no desire to be famous I've got no celeb kind of profile pages or tried to do anything um I loved it when radio wasn't visual in any way because <laughs> I used to go to the studio like a slob, but now I have to like make sure I make an effort. But, um, yeah. you know, so I've never been that way invested. And if I know people I need to speak to them, I'll speak to them. You don't need to like, I don't need to pretend to be their friend. Mm. I'm that kind of a person. Okay, so... With you telling me what happened, right? We're at the point where it became a romantic relationship, mm-hmm. and he's in hospital. All these things are happening to him. Um, okay. He can't talk properly. And then, what? Where? How did it get to the point where you're like, okay, it's getting really intense now, or something's changing? Um. So we. So I thought he was going to die and he, he kept on holding it. You know, this was a, this horrible period when he was ill and the romantic part, few months of the relationship, I, sh- I should say, um, is the, the love bombing. I mean, I didn't know what love bombing was until after after I came out of all of this. Like all these terms, you know, like gaslighting, cats. Yeah. I didn't even know what these terms were because I don't spend my life online. I never used to carry my phone around with me. I was forced to. Um, you know, it was all these terms... I've learned. So that was the love bombing phase. But in, and the thing is, you're overwhelmed because there's somebody who's paralysed, who's got cancer, who's in palliative care and is going to die. And he's still putting you first. And he's still like sending you flowers, sending you things for your birthday, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's quite, you think, oh my God, that's, even though I didn't care like that about him so much. It was like somebody for the first time, you know, I'm quite, you've met my former partners and they're not very romantic <laughs> yeah 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 no I, I will have to say that yeah they they weren't the love bombing kind right 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so I was thinking, do you know something? Maybe I've been making a mistake all my life, you know. That this is quite it. nice, really. You know, I do like this. It's nice. It's not about liking it because I felt quite uncomfortable, to be honest. Did you? Um, yeah, I'm not used to having people. And I used to say it to him, I'm not quite mushy-gushy in that way until I really know somebody, like, mm-hmm. personally. Yeah. Um, I'm not, like, a mushy-gushy person otherwise. I'm a bit of a joker and yeah. silly. Mm-hmm. Until I'm very, com- very comfortable with that person, I wouldn't be that way. So I was a bit but not the... used to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, need, like, maybe I'm the one that's wrong. And maybe I, I was looking, uh, maybe I've been attracted to the wrong kind of person in the past then. I don't know. But anyway, he was going to die. So <laughs> he didn't die. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, so later on, you know, so there's all these complications of his ex-wife. Then his ex-wife is apparently pregnant. I'd been trying to help them get back together again, but I didn't know something had happened. And that's why he tried to kill himself and ended up in hospital. And then ended up here in New York in hospital in this crazy program where nobody was allowed to go and see him um, in Witsec, that is. And um, again, I don't know the ins and outs of all that because I wasn't involved in his life. You know, that's the family stuff. And um, I don't really want to know. So I was always the kind of person who was like, you know, even your ex-wife takes priority over me kind of thing mm-hmm. she was unwell lots of stuff but then you know they'd had a kid um and you know there's all this kind of emotional turmoil and she desperately wanted to get back together with him and his family wanted her to get back together with him because now there was a child involved and he did and he didn't there was all this turmoil started kicking in and I was like I'm, you know fine well I'll leave uh, you know but there was that I've done all the hard work and looked after him and nursed him back to like health in the way that I have because I turned my life around and he was going to come to the UK. Oh, you know, it was becoming, it's like emotionally, he was very leading on me and it was too much for me. And that in October, I'd said, you know, I think I need counselling. Right. I tried to get counselling at work. And that's, this is when you were in the relationship? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because it was too much. You're looking after somebody, and I started sleeping on headphones come sort of middle of that year because he was quite unwell. And the consultant had been, you know, it'd be really good if he, you know, if, when he makes noises in the night, he might be having a seizure. We don't know. You're the one that knows him the best. So you can tell us, you can report back to us, you know, when there's changes in his behavior because he was on antidepressants, he manic. And, yeah. you know, at one point he'd been sectioned before ending up in this hospital in New York. Um, so, you know, it was all that pressure on me. I was constantly writing up reports and sending them to the consultant. Oh, this happened, this happened. These are the situations that he's done, things that he shouldn't have done. Um, my concerns, um, you know, and I literally have to, like, date-wise write all these things out and send them. It'd be like a headache. Um, but if something crazy happened, like he was like, I don't want to live anymore, or he'd had a massive seizure, or he'd had another stroke, I'd be like calling the consultant like crazy, and only had one consultant that I could deal with. And um, so a lot of your yeah, time, a lot it, of your time was going into I this. was working full time. Yeah, I was working full time as well. It, it was a mental, it was pressure and October 20, it was time the Rugby World Cup time in the UK. Yeah. And yeah, I remember so he's, I'd gone to counselling. I'd at work I'd asked for counselling I had one session where trying to explain all of this was really difficult and I then after having my counselling session I'd then spoken to him and said you know I went counselling and he was really upset that because of him I had gone counselling and I was having this impact on him and then on the same second day of me after that you know his ex-wife turned up where he was on some loophole with his son then there was that whole pressure and it, that's where things really started I you know I couldn't go counseling anymore because it upset him too much and it was too difficult for me to explain what was going on to the counselor it was a waste of my time I was storytelling rather than yeah getting support and um I yeah I just he I was told like he'd try to get counseling at counseling for me with through his hospital there um, it didn't happen and just the situation just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse until the following summer it just went got even worse where I didn't have any insecurities I wasn't insecure 
natural situation you put back with your ex-wife and you've got a son you know you have your memories come up all that kind of stuff if you want to get back together you get back together obviously it's going to hurt me but if you'll have everything you ever wanted and needed but he still chose me and even though he had that mental turmoil emotional turmoil all of that he still chose me and by the way when his son was there i could hear the baby I was, yeah. you know, like down the phone, yeah. like you've got, you're listening to a baby and you're calling yeah. to a baby. Yeah, so I yeah, don't yeah. know baby it was, but I was talking okay. to a baby. All right. Okay. But at that time you were like, oh, that's the baby. Right. Okay. That is, okay. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you imagine you were like kind of calling out to a baby and the baby's responding you to the end of the, at the other end of the phone. Mm-hmm. Right. I think this is a good point to basically say to the people that haven't listened to Sweet Bobby that you must do so. <laughs> you must do so, but also that the whole of this was not real. The yeah, whole of this was not real. Okay? Yeah. So you sleeping the ho- everything that's happened so far building this relationship with Bobby, you know, the whole thing him and his health conditions, their relationship the baby sleeping on the phone, none, none of it was real, and and I'm and I'm listening. Well, no, you're saying it wasn't real to me. It was. I was living through it. That's what I'm. It, this is the thing, and and you know something. When when I the thing that got to me when I had that conversation with you, when me you and Romy sat down in that restaurant and you told us everything that happened, the thing that got to me to my heart was that you 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 still kept referring to. Bobby as he did this he did that I mean can you just, just say now you might as well just say now what who who was this it was a female cousin it was the female cousin that I mentioned earlier the female cousin who was dating Bobby's younger brother and and they had built this relationship pretending to be Bobby for all this time everything that happened the sleeping on the phone yeah so all of this had happened the, once I tried to get out of the relationship, like I found out that he cheated on me after seeing real pictures. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and from that point onwards, the relationship became really abusive. So before the control was using just emotional control, but mm-hmm. then aggressive control started kicking in, um, threatening me, being nasty, um, all that kind of behaviour. Being and horrible about you, like Pardon? trying to be horrible about you. Oh, yeah, all sorts of really horrible things. My choices of career, me going out. Um, you know, I I was literally confined. Every part of my life had been targeted. Like, obviously, she'd learned all my dreams, all my ambitions, all my goals. Every part of that had slowly, systematically been shut down. And I remember during the good part of my relationship with Bobby, um, I would say to him, yeah, I don't understand, you know everything I seem to touch turns to dust, but it wasn't me turning it to dust. It was somebody else instigating stuff, including the ending of my relationship with my previous partner, um, work, uh, radio, some of my friends, um, just tearing apart everything I'd worked so hard in my life to build up. Um, just and hurting me in the worst ways you can imagine possible, like things like always knowing that I'd w- always wanted to be a mum. And then even testing me with all these babies arriving on the scene in the story and um, my best friend having a baby at the same time. And at that time telling me that he's no longer able to have children because of the treatments that he'd had. So it was like, you know, you either be with me. And I thought if I leave at that point, I was like, if I leave him now, he's going to kill himself or something's going to happen. I knew it would. So. I was stuck. I was like, you know, all these situations. I was like, but I remember three, four, five nights in a row, I was crying at the thought of, I had to accept his son as the only son I was going to have. Um, you know, it, and I don't know now if I'm ever going to be a mum. Mm. I mean, I hope I will. If I'm not, it's something I'm, I've already, like, started trying to make my peace with. Uh, but this person's done that she's taken away that opportunity or I'm not saying it'll never happen but I hope it will but 
you know, the probability yeah. of it has been reduced because of her significantly. Uh, and it's hard when you watch everybody around you. Yeah. Ha having, you know, what you want and what you probably wanted maybe more than them sometimes. And they know that. Well, I think a couple of episodes ago we had that chat, didn't we? Like how, yeah. you know, when we were like 20 and the fact that you we had a conversation oh do you want to do career first or kids first and you were adamant like oh I want to I want to have my kids young and I want to do that yeah you know and, and, and I always, do remember yeah. that. um so that was always me is this what I mean this person got to know me and specifically targeted because she knew me she was able to target everything I loved just tear everything down and it was I'm quite a strong and resilient person if I wasn't I don't think I'd got to have got through all of this and um, fought for everything that as I have but yeah it just became abusive controlling not letting me go somewhere wanting to know where I was all the time um him doing what he wanted to do but then still keeping me whatever hanging um you know uh, in, in the podcast, I think Alexi, um, he reads out some of the, or, you know, there's, there's somebody that reads out actual words or things that have been said to me, um, nasty things, and there's loads of it. It's quite tame. What's in the podcast is actually quite tame. Um, it's, you know, quite re there are some really horrible things in there. Um, in the podcast, the podcast has done an amazing job of telling it because Alexi's had to live through my life in the last 13 years by reading through absolutely everything and going through all the evidence mm -hmm. so he's got it um but um but everything's not in the podcast there's loads of issues that haven't been touched yeah. but it's a good thing to get your help get your head around the story definitely and and I think they've done a really good job with it tortoise media have done a really really good job with it um um, okay, so you, um, people probably have listened to that podcast now because it's one of the most popular podcasts out there at the moment, right? So you got to the point where you're like, you know what, something doesn't feel right. And you went with your gut feeling and you hired a private investigator, didn't you? Well, when was that point? So I tried to do that, I think 18 months before I actually went through with it. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, yeah, because you like, can't not trust your partner hiring a pi on your partner is a big thing yeah right and it was that whole am i doing the right thing you know it's just like i had conversation a conversation with the pi and i just didn't go through with it and a bit of me wishes i had obviously because i would have been out of this earlier I still would have taken away a significant part of my life and she still did a lot but it would have still meant i was out of it earlier um but in June 2018, after he came to the UK, he'd been here for a few months and he wasn't seeing me and I couldn't find his house. And the address that I had, I just couldn't find his house, but he said he could see me. So you were, you were going to, you were supposed to meet at this point because all this time there had been all these promises, right, of him. Oh, you know, I'm going to meet you. We're going to meet in real life. And then it hadn't come to fruition. Yeah. There was always something, right? Some excuse. So at this time you know, he was here and you couldn't see a reason why that it wasn't happening, that you weren't meeting in real life. It was so close. It was within touching distance. I was so happy he was coming. I gave him his space. He'd come back to the UK after so many years, having left it in whatever, you know, and he had a house in Kensington, in South Kensington. And I had, you know, that I'd had the address. I'd never been to it. So I am, this is the thing. I'm not, you know, some people would be like, oh, I would have, I would have been there and in a shop, mate. I would have. Yes. I had no idea. I'd never been to, I'd never tried to go and find the house, even though I had the address. So that's the kind of, this, you know, that probably says a lot about me. I'm not the kind of person that stalks people. I haven't got time to troll people. You know, I don't know what people do with their lives where they're sitting there scrolling through stuff. I just have <laughs> no, no idea. I, I, my time is precious. <laughs> I've got no idea. I didn't go to his house and all this time and when when I was like yeah I need to come and see you he was like no no I'm not ready yet I'm not ready yet 
I was like, uh, I was like, then I remembered I had this address and I remember scrolling through Skype for like, I must've been sat there for an hour scrolling through Skype trying to find his address that he'd sent me. And even that address that time, we'd had a massive argument. There were loads of arguments in the last two years because I was seeing stuff online and I kept challenging it. I was catching him out all the time. Um, and this is what people don't realize. I'm quite kind of, this doesn't sound right, or this doesn't feel right, or what, but thing is, I would always share it. If not with him, I'd share it with one of his cousins. I'd share it with my cousin. I'd share it with all these people that I was talking to. So if I didn't believe him, I would go to somebody else in his family and say, do you know something? This is really strange. I don't understand how this makes sense. This isn't normal. And then they'd be like, no, they'd explain it. And then even my own cousin would explain it. And I'd be like, okay, that's strange. But then if all these people are saying it, but then they were all her, they were all one person. Yep. You know, um, what do you do? You know, this is what drives you insane. I'm talking to a whole web of people. We found up to 60 profiles. And, and so, so this, this is your cousin had created all these profiles, all these people who were yeah. supposedly real, they were telling you, oh, Some no, of them you... were real, some of them were made up. Okay. Um, some of them were solar identities of other people. Um, so, yeah, some of them I knew of, uh, knew and knew of. Um, yeah, so it's kind of a, a strange one because I, so it's did... fa- some of them mm. were family. And and these, pro- these people, these personas, had their own, um, you know, contact details, they had their own numbers what they had their own what um some of them social media profiles profiles. some of them had multiple social accounts some of them had some of them also you know for some of them that i knew better also i also had their phone numbers email addresses um i had social media accounts Mm -hmm. for them um yeah you know some of them had so there were 60 we found around 60 people and some of them had multiple channels. So some might be talking to me on WhatsApp, text message, Facebook. They might have, I was on Insta then. So they, but they, she'd already prepared Instagram accounts for them. For, for them. Um, so they were on multiple stuff. So she was managing over 60 accounts or, you know, don't know how emails, phone numbers. I don't know how many she was dealing, you know. I can't even that's what I'm like you know what I can't even maintain my own life mate and my own life like what is this I I don't know I just there's too many questions about this and 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 the motive but but okay so listen uh, what what you're telling me and the whole experience right um you're at the point where you're supposed to meet you hire an investigator you know something is not right okay and, and, and yeah I've gone back to the investigator I know something's not right he's not in London I, I can't hear him so I knew he was in London because of things like normal things that were happening there were thunderstorms you could hear the thunder at his end and my end on the end of the phone call so he was definitely in London um and then one day it was very silent where he was and I was like mm, doesn't sound like he's in where he should be and I don't know, I didn't I didn't initially think that, but I'd said to my cousin the day before, like, you know, I, I'm sure he's not in London. And I didn't know why I thought that. But as I sort of analysed it the following day and I was thinking, you know, it's too quiet. And I was thinking maybe I'm harassing him too much by trying to go and see him because he'd been here for three months and he'd not seen me and I was going mad. That's um, a long time to, to keep somebody hanging on. Family, I was lying to my family to say I was going to see him and then I'd be wandering around the streets of London killing my time because he thing is he'd done what I didn't want him to do was tell my parents he's here tell tell my family he's here so they think yeah Kirit's gone off to see him we're here really happy because if I wasn't going to see him then I'd get questions so and he was his tick box he was his tick box um husband material wasn't he as in yeah, for yeah. your and parents he was, he was like respectful so was, from a nice family and all of this kind of stuff so they're like happy oh okay you know he's yeah great for her yeah so and the other thing is he was talking to so many members of my family and so many of my friends going back to that pi thing i i was pretty sure he was in that empty house that he had in brighton just to get away from me 
Um, but I didn't have that address and my cousin hadn't, she was like, you know, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go. And she said it to me a few times. And I used to tell her everything. And she was always team Bobby. And I used to, argue, you know, say to her, why are you so like, whatever with him, you know, what is he to you? Um, and there was even that whole thing was, does she fancy him kind of thing? Um, and I even spoke to Bobby about that as in like, you know, you guys are a bit too close. Um, and it's so, oh, this is it's so it's strange, a lot to get uh, your head around for people that are listening to this. So I don't even know what it's like for you. No, I mean, I went to, so when I got the address from the PI, all I said to the PI, all I want, so she wasn't giving it to me. I was losing faith in her. And I went found the PI and I said, I just want his current address. I don't want any, I was too scared to find out anything else. I just said, this is the name. I just want the current address he's at right now. But I didn't know what I was going to do with it because I wasn't just going to go and turn up there. And I, but for the first time I kept it to myself. Whereas I'm very open in a relationship. I just, I've always turned around and said everything. I don't hide anything from my partner. It's like, this is the truth. This is it. Explain this. I don't understand this, you know. Um, and this time I kept it to myself and he carried in line, but then he picked a fight with me and I was going to my niece's first birthday on the Sunday in Birmingham on a rare outing. Um, he'd known about it and he started picking a fight with me like again very nasty like why are you so special that you have to go why are you singing at her, her first birthday um why aren't the other cousins doing it why does she want you you know who do you think you are kind of that kind of you know and I was like unless you're gonna see me tomorrow you're gonna be yeah you are in bed for most of the day anyway unless you're gonna see me tomorrow then I don't see why I can't go and I'm going with my mum. It's not even like, again, I was having to justify myself. I was like, I'm going with my mum. It's a family thing. What is the problem? You know, and I'll be back by the afternoon. Like, what's, the, I just didn't, you know, that's how, that's the person I'd become. Always having to explain to myself, him, myself, to somebody that, you know, having to ask permission almost. And it got, really bad and then he put the phone down on me and I was like okay and then I was gonna go shopping but I didn't go shopping and I ended up going for a drive because I was a bit shaken as happened a lot of the time and I went for a drive and uh, I was on the motorway got into the motorway and I saw something to Gatwick got on the M25 and I was like Gatwick Brighton and I just in my head I was like well put the address in my phone I just like let's drive towards Brighton maybe should I then he but he kept calling me. He started calling me and eventually I got to a service station and I said to him, I'll get to a service station, I'll stop and I'll call you. And I got to a service station and I stopped and I spoke to him, spoke to him about some of the stuff his cousin had been saying to me. Because at the same time I'm talking to his cousin and all that kind of stuff. Like they're all hounding me and harassing me. And it, was, it was just not good. I really don't think I'm explaining myself really well in this, but um No, you are actually. And and the stuff that I don't think I've heard before as well. Yeah, I mean, there's too much stuff to be in the podcast, but um, it's at the same time, you know, like, while, like, to distract me from his bad behaviour, the other cousin's behaviour, another cousin had been brought in with another serious issue, like his sister was in a deathbed and she died. And these um, are things for you to then get distracted with, right? And then... Yeah, and he, he didn't get on with Bobby this. so much, and he was like, Bobby G, Bobby G, Bobby G. I'm like, you know, at one point I said, I'm not your Bobby, I'm not married to your brother, I'm not anything I don't understand why you're all leaning on me I was so I was being constantly hounded to the point my family were like you know what is going on with your phone um because it was like constantly ringing and the thing is you'd have two people ringing you at the same time so you don't ever not once in your mind does that cross that it's one person doing this. yeah you know I've been in group chats one of the biggest group chats I think it talked about in the podcast was 39 people um, there's constantly group chats where yeah, I'm not talking, two other people are. You know, I'm not a text, I hate chatting on text and things like that. I've just always been like that. I best way to talk to somebody is to talk to them. Yeah, I agree. Um you can tell so much in people's voices that you can't see in a text. There's loads of room for miscommunication. But yeah, so I ended up 
at the service station he was like yeah I'll sort my cousin out all that kind of stuff we left it on that and I shared some screenshots of those conversations with his cousin and um I was then at the situation where okay he's calmed down do I go back home or do I maybe go to see him um and he I, ch- I then you know got the address out put it in because I hadn't done that because my intention hadn't been to go to Brighton when I'd got in the car um got put the and, and it was, I was like 20 minutes away from his Brighton address but still I was thinking do I confront him or do I just go home and eventually after the deliberation I ended up going to his house and then I had that confrontation still not believing it wasn't him and he's looking at you like you've got mental health problems, right? Because you're, 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 you're like, obviously... They're terrified of yeah. me. They still can't... They and can't he's with his wife. So he's him. with his wife and his kid in this house. In yeah, Brighton. so I've caught him in this house with his wife and his kid turns up and I'm thinking, what the hell? And he's pretending not to know me, but he knew my cousin. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't say what my cousin's full name was. He did. And then he could see that I knew everything about him. And then I was like... I, you know, obviously, I, I was like, what the hell? And he was like, you know, try calling me on my phone. Da, 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 you know, and I was like, well, you've been lying to me all this time. In my, my head, I'd in my head, what I was thinking at that time is, I have caught this man red-handed, living a double life. Because I remember walking up to the house and looking at some of those pictures, some you know, looking at some of the features of the garden and the thing, and thinking this looks familiar in some of the pictures and that kind of stuff because um, I was getting lots of pictures of him not much video I had video before not after he'd been in hospital um, but yeah and and yeah, I just thought he's been living a double life because again it, the communication with us was quite weird it was like we knew but we didn't knew no and it was like maybe he was hiding something it was like just like and then my cousin spoke to him as well and they had a good chat (laughs) so she called him on the phone i called i said you know i said to him like because when when i called him he was like this is whatever and i gave him my number not scared of giving him my number um because he had it already and um and i was just like yeah well you've had loads of mobile phones you've had three numbers since i've known you you've been lying to me you've cheated on me you've admitted you know so if you've been living this double life you know who knows you've got another phone to use with her i don't know I was just like, literally, that's what was going through my head. How many phones has a cheat got? <laughs> so <laughs> that's what was going through my head. And then my cousin stayed on the phone. I was obviously devastated, distraught. As I drove back to London, she stayed on the phone with me. And then when I got home, I was still like, really distraught. I hurt myself when I got home. And that's you, what I'm talking you about. You hurt yourself on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. You've nursed this man back from the brink of death for so many times. You've done all of this. You waited. You turned your life around for him on the basis he was coming. He's been talking to your family. He's been, you know, like in hours when your partner is talking to your family and promising your mom and your brother and you know your cousins and your family and your best friend stuff. Why would you not believe he's real? But yeah, when I even when I got back though from Brighton that day, I was getting messages from him to say, sorry, you shouldn't have had to see that. I'm so sorry. I can't imagine how you must have been feeling. So, and he stayed on the phone with me that night as well. He let me swear at him, shout at him, say disgusting things to him. And he took it all knowing he was wrong. And then how soon after this did you find out that it was your cousin Simran the whole time? Uh, so that was Saturday night, Monday, Monday morning. She stayed with, she came with me because I was really worried. I was really confused about what was going on. Some weird things had happened in his family and I was really worried for myself. Hence, when I was standing out to the house, I wanted to get off their property. I thought they were going to call the police. I just, weird things, I thought they're going to call the police on me because she's got it in for me. His ex-wife's got it in for me. They're just going to say something strange. So I got off their property. I was so keen to not even stand at their front door. Um, 
I was terrified. I can't even, I was, I was scared. And then I was scared for him. So I'd gone to the police with my cousin on the Sunday. She'd spent the whole of Sunday with me, watching me throw up as I drove around. I was in a really bad way, really, really bad way. And um, yeah, and the police officer knew, because I've done a lot of work with the police in the past, the police officer behind the desk knew me. And he was like, yeah, don't worry, I know you're not mad, you know, which was quite relieved. I was like, I said, I'm not reporting a crime. I just want to put this on file just in case something crazy happens. And she was with me and she was corroborating everything. And she's the one that had seen him in New York and brought presents back from him to me. Um, and then it was the following morning, I think when, so that night Brighton police had also phoned me because they, the real Bobby, police, and you hear his side of the story, like mm. how he saw it happening in the podcast as well. Um, we were both just baffled and our police stories matched. And I think that was the turning point for her where she knew it was the end and she had to do something and the next morning she confessed. We're going to leave it there for now. Gireth's story is complex. There is 10 years worth of contact with this person that she understood to be Bobby. And I think by now you've gathered that there were a lot of twists and turns in this relationship that was built. The podcast Sweet Bobby only covered a portion of what happened and I didn't want to edit down my conversation with Gireth too much because I wanted to hear all of it, to give you a chance to hear all of it and to give Gireth the opportunity to talk freely about all the emotions that she went through. So you're going to be able to hear the next part of our conversation next week in episode 97. In it, Gireth reveals how she felt after her cousin Simran's confession, her healing process after that, questions that she's still trying to find answers to, and how this experience has affected her in future relationships and friendships. Until then, please do check out the podcast Sweet Bobby produced by Tortoise Media. It's on all your usual podcast platforms. Please share this podcast. Make sure you've subscribed. Get in touch if you want. Mommyandperfect at gmail.com or at Sisterhood of Mommy and Perfect on Instagram or at Rena D. Annabelle on Instagram. Until next week, take care. Bye.